Previously, on the Reroll podcast, we found a man under attack by a giant-sized pile of bones. Hurling this jagged bone axe, sweeping it down and smashing into the snow while this nimble elf dodges aside with two short swords in each of his hands. If the army of the dead is soldiered by more like this, my sympathies go out to every soul that must face them. The Justicar shouts a word of warning as we move to attack. Be careful! This monstrosity is deadly! I could see why Bo would respect him. His skill in combat is quite extraordinary. Darting through this massive sort of gap in his legs, he unleashes this fury of just slices and they chip away at this skeletal bone. This foe may be terrifying. And just starts rushing at you and you see these sort of sharpened claws at the end of the skeletal hand. But in the end, it is just a carcass. Sort of wrapping yourself around the neck of this creature, you see a short sword just pierce out the top of its skull, and it falls lifeless on the ground, its bones shattering. I didn't realize Flint could move like that. As we finally find ourselves safe for the moment behind the walls... Open the gates. Come now. Oracle Olsen is likely in the Chapel of Stars. We may finally get quality rest some sense about what the road ahead holds, and more importantly, find a way to save my soul from the maiden's clutches. Welcome back to the Reroll Podcast. Been practicing my dice rolls for today. I've rolled eight times. None of them over single digits, so no combat this episode. Perfect. <laughs> Gotta wait till I'm hitting 20s. Take us away with uh, with a icebreaker there, Zane. I thought you were complaining because I was stealing your thunder on the icebreakers. Are you just handing them to me now? Uh, well, you know, <laughs> can't steal what you're giving. Can't giving, steal what's giving so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I write it off on my taxes too. Sure, yeah, because it is what my charity. my presence in this podcast at all. Yes, that yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> Community I mean, service, really? having I, to spend time with you. I do technically have a disability, so tax breaks. Well, I was, I was thinking earlier at complete random, uh, one of my, it's not so much like an irrational fear, it's just oddly specific. Um, like, I always have this kind of latent fear that like in the middle of the night, a like hobo spider or something is going to bite my penis. Like one of those, uh, <laughs> one of those spiders that has like the, the venom that like basically is like necrotizing and like really fucks you up. Because if it bit you in the wiener, I bet your wiener would just like fall off if you didn't like, weren't able to like bring it back. So I was just wondering, yeah, like, do you We're have any weird, him. because I wouldn't call it, I wouldn't call that irrational, because it's pretty rational, it's a pretty rational thing to be scared of, but it is very specific, so I was wondering if you guys have any, like, That's not a rational fears. thing to be scared yeah, of. Yeah, I know, it's, it's perfectly rational, in my opinion. Uh, there's one thing that kind of freaks me out, um, that I heard about, it's some, fucking, somewhere in a physics YouTube rabbit hole, um, about how... There's something that could occur, and I don't remember what it is, and I kind of prefer it that way. That brown note, yeah, would <laughs> like <you>. start <laughs> basically breaking the bonds on atoms because it would change, uh, like the layout of their possible states to something that they're not in, and uh, basically would take the universe apart instantly at a, like at an atomic level, subatomic level. Yeah, um, but wouldn't we'd... and it, like, sorry, I'll go ahead and finish. I was going to say it, it could just happen anytime for no reason. 
I mean, would, would that like hurt? shift our state into something else completely like incomprehensible to us right now? Or would we just like all of a sudden stop existing? Because this the be latter a, sounds fine. We would just be like a pile of quarks. We Hell would yeah. never have any idea. Oh, I'm good with that. That sounds I would awesome. be a pile of quarks. Yeah. No my life would be so course. much easier if I were just a yeah. yeah no more jobs. I just, my quarks? problem is it's going to happen. We would, yeah, yeah, we would be a pile of quarks. Specifically quarks. This just sounds like a everything, everything all at once. You're saying quarks, right? With a Q? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With a Q? I thought you were <laughs> mean like a, a wine bottle cork. <laughs> Same. Yeah, I know that. Oh. Quarks. Okay. <laughs> quarks, yes. Uh, quarks? Like from <laughs> DRG? Hell yeah. Like my, yeah. my problem with it is that it's going to happen like the one time that everybody's partying and having a good time and like their last moments are awesome and I'm fucking at work and it's 115 and I'm like lifting heavy <laughs> shit. That's when so it's, it's going to happen. I can guarantee that's yeah, it's not so much concerning. Yeah. Like <laughs> when it's going to happen, but like specifically where you're going to be when it happens. And I'm going to be hot and tired and sweaty and pissed off. That's <laughs> like, man, this sucks. And then your quirks. Yep. That's a yeah. pretty good fear, too, is just dying at work. <laughs> just yeah, your whole life suck. just coming to an end and the for twenty dollars an hour or whatever. Yeah. And three days before your penis got bit by a spider and it fell off. <laughs> and you're like, wow, this really sucks, and then you die. Uh I mine's weird, I guess. It's less of a fear and more like an irrational anxiety. But anytime there are balloons, I am just constantly on edge because I know eventually somebody's gonna pop one. And it's just I'm like same. my anxiety level goes from zero to 60 so fast with a balloon. Really, yeah, really clear to our listening audience. Tanner hasn't like been to war or anything or has any like crazy PTSD. He just hates balloons. I just yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. To be even clearer, he's actually just a small chihuahua dog that runs this podcast. So he's I do shake shaking and bark. Yeah. So. yeah, shake uncontrollably and pee a little bit. My yeah. friend used to blow like fill up condoms with water so huge that it was just like this giant like water balloon and then she would put it on her brother's bed and be like and it was so like that it was like it looked like it was just gonna explode but he'd be like stop and well, it was just well, like <laughs> What's funny about that to me is like the idea not that like she just had condoms laying around for whatever reason like but she like went to the store and bought condoms like specifically to do this. I don't even know where why it went like where she got it. It's just like it doesn't even matter. The best part is that it's just like how it's insane how big that water balloon would be. It's like wow. Oh yeah, no. I mean like they're they're engineered to be like as resilient as fucking possible. So you you can put a big fucking load of water in there if you want. <laughs> God, you, you guys don't pee in your water. <laughs> when you're done, done. No, no, I'm not done, done, done with your flight. What? <laughs> exactly. Mine's more on the irrational side, I think, but I don't know. Um, I don't like the dark because I have sometimes just, especially when it's like really overcast and it's like really, really dark. Because it just makes me feel like I'm not going to see the sun again. And like, I don't know. That's just, I, I'm inside most of the day. I'm like basically a recluse when I'm not working. But I don't like the concept of not being able to go outside and get a little bit of that, that good old vitamin D right on my face. I mean, that's a so. pretty topical like fear considering the current state of rel right now. There's like no sun. Yeah, I'm glad I capitalized <laughs> on your fears. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm waiting, do you waiting also, for that spider, too. Do you also, Octavia, fear losing a loved one? Because that's something, you know, kind of <laughs> I actually have this weird one from, it feels like it turned forever ago, where I'm just going to lose one of my arms to a dragon. <laughs> <laughs> Have this irrational fear of leveling up all the time and being super good. <laughs> I have an irrational uh, fear of getting cash money. <laughs> right. I'm not afraid of the sun not coming back, but I would say I'm afraid of the dark. Uh, anytime I'm like getting up out of bed in the middle of the night, I just picture something grabbing my ankles from under the bed. <laughs> uh, yeah, the dark's scary. And then on spiders, too, like this one's not really irrational, but it's happened a few times. So I always am concerned about it is sitting on the toilet <laughs> and a spider comes running at me from under the door and it's oh, like okay. charging right like at me. <laughs> That's happened to me once. And it was so, no, the this most has happened to me like 20 times. I swear. <laughs> and like you can't do anything because you're on the toilet. Besides lift up your feet and hope it goes away. And now I keep a shoe next to the toilet. So, <laughs> See, I, um, yeah, I have a spider shoe by the toilet. Oh my god, my great. cat <laughs> is almost always in the bathroom with me when I'm in there, and um, she's just like, she'll do. She killed a fucking wasp the other day. She's fearless. Hell I love yeah. her. Big red nice. one. Yeah. We so, uh, Viper now knows the word spider. <laughs> She yeah, there was I, a spider was in the I shower, just... and I was like Viper spider, and she was like, ah! <laughs> like and just looking at the cracks in the floor, and like she didn't yeah, find it's it. The first time I've idiot. seen her do that, like for real. Oh, she was about it. Yeah. That was pretty crazy. That was great. She's like pulling her weight. That's yeah, awesome. yeah. I she couldn't find it, but I picked her up and put her like in the shower because the spider was there, and she found it and just killed it immediately. She didn't even care like, that her feet ah! got wet either. Yeah, she's, <laughs> she's just in, in fucking the thrill man. of the hunt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, I have to let my brother's had, cat in um, every once in a while to kill some of the spiders. Nice. When I was a kid, uh, I remember I had this really vivid memory of like laying. I think I was laying on the couch and I had like a blanket that I'd gotten out of the closet on me. And um, oh, a, uh, I like just looked down and there like a spider at my feet was like crawling across the blanket, like on me towards my face. <laughs> oh. I was just sitting oh, there like I was like, do I move? Like, <laughs> is it still moving toward it? And then I see it like crest like one of the folds of the blankets. I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> like, it's still just coming towards my face. I'm like, I need to get out of here. I need to move. But if I move, it's going to jump on my face. And like, it was just this like, like 30 seconds of the spider just like creeping towards my face and me like shitting my face. <laughs> well, that's just so funny because it, it wasn't really a closet. It was just the weird space that didn't those poorly constructed that yeah. somehow was attached to the kitchen and it the was hallway like the, the the cavity in the middle of the house where like the uh the water heater and stuff was and then one side had a like a door where somebody put shelves in so it was kind of like a closet but the back was just open and exposed to like this like hole in the middle of the house where like yeah. utilities and stuff where it was kind of fucking weird actually but, you know you should have known going to go get something from the spider closet because we literally yeah. called it that that's yeah that's, that's what we mean yeah <laughs> Um, my irrational fear is literally my everyday anxiety of like nothing, and yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's so I, sad. It's yeah, I know it fucking sucks. It's irrational, and I know it is, but it just is there permanently, forever. I mean, so. I would say yeah, by definition, that is like an an irrational fear of like nothing. Yeah. Like, sometimes yeah. I still even get nervous when you come over and I'm like, why am I so why do I feel like I can't breathe I think, right now? <laughs> I think COVID did That's that so to stupid. a lot of us because I had that for a long time, too. I'd be like, why am I like freaking? I'd be like, have that kind of like anxiety, like 
like tight tension chest, feeling like, of uh, like i'm just going to hang out with somebody or something yeah I, I remember too even just like you know coming to like sometimes even coming to hang out with you guys like in the first couple times i was just like fuck like hanging out with friends in person is weird yeah 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 i know like why like why is it awkward even though we've spent so much time like online together and shit it's i mean i still even get nervous for this like even if we're not even happy we don't even have to go anywhere <laughs> yeah Tanner's birthday was like my last big one that i was like super nervous to be at because i just hadn't seen anyone in so fucking long i took a plane flight to get there crazy yeah mm. my brother's been recently like going to the doctor to get tested for like sleep disorders because he has a hard time sleeping and after doing like an all like he did like an all night like and they observed him type thing and stuff is like, like a sleep study i wish i had the insurance to do this stuff anyways uh <laughs> he found out that he has a adhd and anxiety and he wouldn't have guessed he had anxiety but apparently that can cause some of the sleeping things he was having hmm. um and every th time they tell him something, he'll pass it on to me because he'd be like, you have similar symptoms to this. <laughs> and like, well, mm -hmm. I don't have the money to go see a doctor. So, <laughs> but yeah, I have insomnia and anxiety, too. Yeah. You know, secondhand doctor diagnosis. Jesus Christ. But yeah, he's taking some stuff now that's helping him a lot. So that's good. I want that, too. I know. I'm like, that'd be nice. But I don't think I can afford to go get tested for all this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Same. God bless. America. I mean, isn't it? I'm still not entirely sure how navigating specific insurances and stuff works, but doesn't it like, isn't the whole goal like you just need to get a referral from your primary care? And I mean, no, usually, like, my insurance only really covers preventative unless you've spent like so much money that year, then they'll cover more stuff. But that's a lot of oh, money yeah. you have to spend. High, to high get deductibles that point. <laughs> screw everybody. Yeah. So, yeah. You only have to pay $5,000 and we'll totally take care of the rest. Don't even worry about it. Yeah. Doctors. Speaking of stuff, $5,000. <laughs> uh, on the re-roll podcast we last we just got five thousand dollars no you are in debt five thousand dollars oh no you, right. you think this ritual is gonna be life. free do you have insurance <laughs> what's your oh, copay you can tell me you guys didn't read your contracts mm. <laughs> where we last left off you guys had just arrived at the temple of dusk and dawn here on roll 20 i've got a little rudimentary map of this area for you all to Pretty see i'm gonna call it the i'm gonna call yeah. it the temple of D D for short yeah i thought of that like 20 minutes ago and we're not gonna call it yeah. that why not uh because <laughs> that's a little confusing is there, a, is there is there been like a recent issue or controversy surrounding the temple of D D? what was that word controversy is that an actual word are you trying no, to say I controversy? So. <laughs> I was saying, I was say, trying to say controversy in like a douchey way, but it just came out as like I'm illiterate. You don't have to try to say in a douchey way. <laughs> no, contra controversy State. is a word, isn't You're it? Already douchey. It might not be the right word. I'm gonna look it up. Uh, <laughs> moving on. Look it back. To anyway, <laughs> you guys had just walked through these wondrous gates with a blazing sun embossed on the front of them into this snowy sanctuary with this beautiful blossoming cherry tree in the center of it and Vesserin, i believe we last left off with him saying come now oracle olsen's in the chapel of the stars and heading directly there following uh i think kiaren stops and pauses and stares at this tree because it's fucking beautiful yeah uh do you have a nature skill at all? 
I do. Give me a nature skill, or a nature check, rather. 19. 19 is enough to kind of have the awareness that despite that it is sort of mid to late spring, this tree is blossoming in sort of defiance of this wintry weather around it. It is old and the bark is thick and it is captivating for sure. I think she'll walk up to it. I don't know if we're going past it or not, but she'll walk up to it and just kind of place her hand against it and just kind of stare and off for a moment before following. Does Bo notice and do I know any fun facts about this? Uh, yeah, Bo, you definitely see this and Bo, you know that this is the uh, ever-blooming tree. It is actually a natural wonder because it is always sort of constantly in bloom and the sort of mythos around it is that this tree was one of the first trees ever to exist on Rel, and it is something that has hmm. persisted throughout history and is potentially the last of its kind. An ancient, ancient tree. You know that this is particularly a almost holy site for druids and those who follow the natural um, and primal magics. How is it particularly large? Uh, it's actually not particularly large. It is uh, compared to, um, you know, the standard sort of uh, pine trees you've been walking through. It stands maybe 10 feet tall. So if it wasn't like obviously blooming in defiance of this weather, it like wouldn't you wouldn't consider it particularly like prehistoric looking. It just kind of looks like a tree. Yeah, it, it doesn't look particularly old. Um, it's beautiful. Kieran's never seen a cherry blossom tree. Yeah. Bo's probably wanted, wanted to show you guys, you know, kind of part of him and this place for a, for a while since all of um, us have been getting closer. So he'll probably take a moment to kind of like explain it. And just as we're walking. Um... And <clears throat> Bo, in your explanation to you know, you give this whole spiel you've heard maybe a dozen times from different caretakers of this place, but this tree is said to be older than every living thing on Rel. It's said to bring good luck and good fortune to anybody who places their hand on it. And it's unbelievably remarkable. Does it have the spot that looks like boobies? Uh, it's a full of hard wooden tits. <laughs> I wow. go and place my hands on them. <laughs> Lay on hands, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a hero point? I'm taking it away. <laughs> no. Does the, that, that there tree over there, does it have some titties? <laughs> does it have a trussie? Bo <laughs> got got, God. <laughs> Bo's probably has one hand on one of the tree boobs and is like has great pride in speaking about, you know, this and gesturing out, had one hand up and one hand out, like, explaining. Like, you can tell he takes great pride in being able to, like, share this with you. The prehistoric tree knockers. Yes, yeah, that's truly a the sight tree knockers. <laughs> God damn it. 
Tanner, you like how we've taken this beautiful imagery you've supplied with us and I completely li- brought it down to our level? It's, it's like beautiful. my place. I like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's beautiful. <laughs> All right. Karen agrees. After the titty tree. <laughs> you guys continue on, unless anybody wants to divert off, but I, I think Jessica Vesserin will look back at you, Karen, and say, It is very beautiful, but... I understand you're in something of a hurry, Oh. Of course, but we must take time to stop and enjoy the beautiful world around us sometimes. But to your point, I will follow. I agree, but it'll be here when we're done. And he leads you to this massive stone temple. It's aged but polished, beautiful, beautiful white brickwork, uh, slanted green roofs with golden trim, and the two wooden doors out front are open wide, and you walk in and you see sort of uh, on the doors stained glass windows, one of the depiction of the sun rising and another of the full moon in the night sky, and you walk in this chapel, and... Before you... we do you notice that Bo's doing a sad Charlie Brown walk because no one else wanted to touch the t- tree titties when he, <laughs> after that whole spiel no one touched It'll be there when we're done. Yeah. We'll go get some titty after we uh, rip a A few of us were already touching the tree though. We touched it. <laughs> um, he yeah. said come on and I wanted to really savor that later. So. Okay. Also for what it's worth Bo, Groth is just slack jotted this whole fucking place. He's never seen anything like this. He's seen goliath structures and one particularly impressive one that he built but it was still just rocks in like a shitty cement wall and some like crude buildings and then he's seen brambleton and that's that's it for structure like everything here is like what the fuck how did they make that how did what kind of stone did they make what fucking is that metal bracing on the roofs i tell you groth it's it's aliens I don't know what those are, but I believe you. <laughs> I mean, this probably goes for all of you, too. Uh, Kiaran, the architecture in Nikotov is dark and foreboding, gothic even. And other than that, Starlet, you might have seen elven architecture in the city of the Eln, but the Eln is a fallen elven city taken by pirates for close to a century, so a lot of it's run down, destroyed, repurposed. But this is unbelievably beautiful the buildings are sleek they're elegant they're beautiful and and really kind of comp or thinking about the elven lifespan of course they have the time to put into these buildings it, it might have taken hundreds of years to construct this because an elven builder has that time to spare but you guys enter in the chapel the pews arranged toward a central stage with a stone altar that's draped in this beautiful burgundy uh, tapestry, and it's adorned with a golden candelabra. And above the altar, and above the entire chapel, as a matter of fact, is a glass dome window that's seemingly painted with 
transparent outlines of constellations and looking up you get a sense that during the night sky and it's almost you're almost able to draw them in this sort of purpley fractured sky but it's obviously been corrupted and offset but these are constellations that would litter a, a full night sky in normal conditions and it's quite beautiful and again i think groth particularly you're taken by the just feat of of engineering to be able to do that and it's it must have some sort of magical properties to keep all this snowfall off of it was it like a stained glass window on the ceiling is that what you're saying kind of it's it's like clear glass but it's got sort of constellations that are like frosted glass on it so you can see through it so but it's, it's not got like the, the light reflecting through like a stained glass it's just the stars are in the right spots they would be saved for you know the end of the world or whatever is okay. going on is it like etched glass is that kind of what you're saying yeah like textured yeah, yeah exactly and a gentleman is sitting behind this altar with a young acolyte by him and Bo you know this to be Yendril Olsen, the Oracle, a Solel, um, who is old by human standards, but ra a rather young elf who has recently sort of become the head of this chapel, but something's different. Um, Oracle Olsen doesn't necessarily notice you right away. In fact, this acolyte at his side sort of whispers in his ear, and he turns and he's, he says, Besserin, is that you? And he's like, yes, Oracle. And I've brought an old friend. And he's sort of like, let's loose kind of a reserved sigh. He says, Bo Cantrell. Welcome home. Uh, he probably just gives kind of like a like a half smile, just kind of like more for like pleasantry kind of thing. And he turns to the young assistant and he says, Andrew, will you lead me down there, please? And Andrew sort of takes uh, him by his sort of cloistered cloth and, and leads him down. And once he gets down there, you, you notice I think I said he was a solo, but he's actually Luno. He's a moon elf, so he's got um, grayish, purplish skin and really sort of intricate, long, twi twirling eyebrows and this beautiful deep green hair. But you can see once he gets closer, Bo, he is now blind where he wasn't previously. He's got two milky eyes. And he says, Bo, I... I understand you seek me out and you have brought companions? Yes, and valuable ones. They, they're special to me. And one of them needs help now. I'd yes. really like to get going. I, I know you'll understand once you see. And he places both of his hands out, palms up, and he says... I mean, see, God, that's rude. <laughs> Once that's you I'm know... I'm very offended. <laughs> he puts you his... You just told me that, and I just, like, immediately... <laughs> oh, God. 
he puts his hands. It's like when, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. There's, there's just somebody, somebody who like told me a, a while ago. They're like, they're describing like, oh yeah, I have like some like genetic thing where like I'm losing my hearing, and I was like, oh man, I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> and I was like, fuck. Right after that, not as sorry as you are. <laughs> he places his hands out, palms open, and he says, "Kiaren Nimone, please." and gestures for you to sort of lay your hands on his. She'll kind of pull her hood back and kind of look at Bo questioningly as she puts her hands out. Slowly. He'll nod. Like, okay. trust it. And she'll do it. His hands sort of softly touch yours and his thumbs moving, like, over your knuckles. And you see his eyes sort of faintly glow this kind of residual white and he says yes yes oh, you are in a grave situation but I believe I can help you now it'll take some time to prepare this ritual and Bo has you can see my facilities aren't quite what they used to be. I could definitely use your help, but feel free, Bo, to lead your friends around the temple and come back in, say, an hour or two. My acolyte here will help me fetch some of the things we need to set up. Thank you. I greatly appreciate your effort in this. And I will do anything in my power to repay you, I swear. He gives a sort of faint smile and he says, Child of darkness, we will all owe you a great debt when this is done. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> would anybody, is this place like kind of on lockdown? Like would anybody have really like noticed or protested if like Flint kind of split off from the group at the front of the temple? Uh, give me a perception check. At the front, like, Do in me. the entrance? Yeah, like, yeah, he basically yeah. wanted to just, like, split off and, like, kind of just go wander and, like, check out different parts of the temple. Definitely. Okay. What do you want? Uh, perception check. From me? Yeah. Okay. Bo would find it important that all of you meet the Oracle, too. So if he saw you leaving, he'd probably maybe I did, put up a little I rolled bit of a, fight. I rolled a 27 on stealth earlier, and I rolled a 32 on perception here. Oh, okay. So you can contest that stealth roll if you want, for sure. Well, I guess that'd be Tanner's ruling. But you well, actually, it'd, it'd go against your perception, DC. What's your perception score, Bo? 14. Yeah, so I think maybe, Bo, as you're talking to Alson, you realize Flint isn't there. Mm -hmm. um, but Flint, with your perception, you're looking around and... You're definitely sort of drawing attention from this predominantly elven community. Uh, mostly, right. it's filled with Solel and Lunel, uh, Sun and Moon Elves. Um, Sun Elves have a darker complexion. They actually hail from East Rel, uh, mostly in the, the Badlands and Desert area. So it's, you may have never even seen a Solel before, but Loon Elves, they frequent the Kravnox, and they're these beautiful, elegant sort of purplish blue hued skin um 
long eyebrow uh, uh, elven creatures. Random just kind of thought, would Flint recognize any of this, anybody who looks like a soul elf from any of the weird visions he's had from the oh, uh, sword? That's a... They were all human. Every And thinking back on that, that is bizarre. Humans... That they were all human. Yeah, humans predominantly inhabit sort of West Rail and, and Saltland and East Rail, but in the sort of more arid desert climates, predominantly elven and, and other uh, uh, species like cat folk and things like that. Interesting. Okay. Um, but you, you're you able to sort of move around. Nobody really gives you any, any trouble. Um, but with that high perception, you do notice that a tall guard on the ramparts who sort of watch you guys come in. It's keeping a very close eye on you. Yeah, and that's fine. Flynn's not trying to, like, be deceptive or anything. If anything, he's just kind of, like, lights up the milk gar, taking a smoke break, um, but does want to... Spying that, um, I don't know, that guard. He kind of wants to find somebody who looks like they might be a little more in charge of, like, the military defenses and talk to them. Okay, so if anybody, yeah, I mean, I think that guard is probably the most militant sort of person you see here. Um, outside of that, you see woman dressed in a, a key. Is that how you say it? Martial arts thing? Key? Yeah. I'm looking at that. That'd, right. that'd be a gi. The G. G. Okay. That's it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You see a younger, um, loose, ha- loose, uh, silvery-haired uh, moon elf. Wearing a gi, uh, who's kind of, kind of sort of, not following you, but definitely curious, and is it, it keeps kind of looking towards you. And other than that, you see a, you see a man who's carrying a big crate of what looks to be some sort of cooking ingredients, and he has an apron, and he seems to be okay. sort of packing crates outside of a building, or unpacking. Interesting. Rather. Um. Yeah, he'll Flint will give a little wave to the silvery-haired woman, and um, she gives you the of... like, uh, wavy fingers. Sure. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Is that milk I smell? Yeah. <laughs> Flint Flint flashes a toothy grin with a couple of gold teeth poking through. She throws up. Um. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, just go talk to that uh, that guard feller. Okay. So you, so let me kind of get this a little play by play. Uh, you get to sort of the edge of the wall, and there is a staircase that's kind of leading up to it. And she's standing at the top. Um, she is, I think I described her at the end of last session, but she's standing over six feet tall beautiful curved longbow that's carved from white oak and and seeing that tree sort of in the center you get a sense it potentially and likely was from that mystical tree um and she's got curved metal pauldron that's latched onto her cuirass with a heavy royal blue uh, cloak affixed to the back and a rising sun embedded on the front of this chest really beautiful armor um yeah flint will look up and just say uh uh, permission to walk the ramparts? Granted. Thank you. And Flint will make his way up there. 
What business do you have here, dwarf? I saw you traveling with Bo Cantrell. I know, we're all... We're all kind of moving the same direction. Um, would be lying if I said that some of the uh, less-than-alive folks in your trench didn't catch my eye. You have a, you have problems with orcs up here? Yes. Recently, since... And she looks up to this guy, and she's like, since this all happened, they have been aggressive and probing. And she... Uh, she turns around and overlooks sort of the valley in front and the sort of narrow pathway you had to take in here. And she says, even in our protected space here, we are constantly hounded by enemies. Looking down at the moat, she says, orcs are not our only concern, but the undead. Fears are rising around here. Something has stirred them and there are aggressive and an almost intelligent. I mean, I'm sure I don't have to tell you that orcs this far south of the Kravnox, be it not that far in the first place, it's it's never a good thing. Especially, these are blue-skinned orcs, right? Yep. I can't imagine you've seen many of their particular hue lately. Look to the ridges to the south. What do you see? Give me a perception check. <laughs> yeah. Nat 20. Nat 20? What? Yeah. Ooh, perfect time. I see everything. <laughs> yeah, you're scanning the these kind of snowy ridges, and you notice a hint of blue. And there's, like, the top half of an orc's head poking out of this sort of dying brush uh, using cover. Clearly some sort of spy or scout. Um, and, okay, this is, like, off in the distance, kind of, like, on a, at the tree line or something? Yeah, like, uh, uh, up to where it's pro- it was probably difficult for that orc to get up there. They had to climb and sort of make a temporary encampment. Okay. Um, I mean, Flint will turn so his back is facing that. He's in between the captain or whoever mm-hmm. and that orc, and his back's facing the orc, and just say, uh... You talking about that fellow in the tree line over my right shoulder? Very perceptive. Yes. That scout has been there for roughly a week. No doubt reporting all the comings and goings. And roughly how many uh, orc bodies can I see in the trenches? About a half dozen. Okay. I wonder what their plan is if they're just throwing a... Was this all, all six of these? Is that just from one attack? No. They haven't outrightly attacked us. In the night, they'll push, poke, prod. There. This seems like they're probing your defenses, trying to draw out, you know, enough to get an idea of what they're up against. Our benefit in this natural defense here is it'd be very hard to rush an army through. So naturally, these orcs are trying to find an easier way. Will they find one, do you think? Not if I can help it. Come back to me when you're finished with Veseran. Perhaps I could use you or one of your companions' help to deal with this scout. 
I'd like to get a closer look at one of the bodies too, if you don't mind. Veseran is on duty to clear the moat. Speak with him about it. Aye. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Yes, of course. I'll give her a little bow and descend. Maybe just wander back towards the temple. And on the inside of the temple, meanwhile, Oracle Olsen has had this moment with Kiaran, and his acolyte comes up and he's like, Andrew, go to the back and get as many tall white candles as you can. We also need a sizable amount of chalk and holy pendants, please. And that fifth of Jameson that I keep behind the desk. Anything you guys want to do in the temple? Bo, do you want to take them on a tour of the grounds? Yeah. <laughs> okay. You. That's hard because like you created this, so it's a more. It's like a tour for me too. <laughs> Kiaran will turn to Bo if we're kind of left to do our own thing and just say, uh, "I would love to see this whole temple at some point, but." If you don't mind, he mentioned a area set aside for the Redeemer. I would really love to look at that first. Let's go there first. Be part of the tour. And at this point, Vesseran says, Oh, I trust you know your way from here. Um, if I, any of you have time while Bo and the Oracle prepare, I could use some help clearing the moat out front. Say at this point, Flint re-enters the temple. Says, uh, Veseran, was it? Yes, dwarf. Sounds like Sounds like uh, you and I are on corpse duty. Ah, that problem solves that. <laughs> you see Grouth completely unreactive to anything, just like staring at the glass. <laughs> Mouth open, arms straight down at his side, like... How do you make rocks transparent? It makes no sense. <laughs> as Bo, assuming Bo starts to lead, Kieran will just kind of grab Groth by the shoulder and pull him after us. <laughs> no, no, what, what is that? Though? What is that? How do they do that? What is that? Are you talking about the glass? I don't know that. <laughs> that, that, that thing. <laughs> Star, are you going along with this tour as well? Yeah, I suppose so. Okay. Um, Bo will say, try putting sand in your fort sometime You'll and see what happens. You'll get something <laughs> like that. I will. Oh my god, I gotta call Louie. <laughs> Can I call? <laughs> What's that? What is calling? Who let the dogs out? just came out of my mouth. Right. <laughs> All right. So, Bo, you lead your party out of the chapel down these grand steps, and your first stop is the arm of Emin, the uh, armory then? Yeah, by request. By request? Mm -hmm. So you lead the others to this tower that's in the back of actually this this chapel area and it's billowing smoke out of the top from an active forge and Groth I think you smell it you know just kind of faintly lingering on the air here he probably clocked that shit the yeah. minute that we like came in through the gate yeah uh, likely <laughs> clocked it over the hill I was like there's a fire <laughs> and you 
walk around the side of this chapel here and lead through this heavy sort of bolted defensible steel door and there is a beautiful forge it is all of this sort of white elven stone and in the center of it is a red hot statue of a warrior wielding a great axe but something's ass. <laughs> nice <laughs> nice red ass hot. yeah um wielding it <laughs> anybody want to uh actually i don't think Bo, you probably don't have to do a religion check you know this to be a statue of emin but one thing that is peculiar about this statue is is, is not just depicted as a fully armored warrior it is a warrior who does not have their helmet on and it is a half orc woman very sort of surprising uh Bo, you you definitely are used to this you've seen seen the statue a hundred times but maybe maybe now you're kind of making the correlation of oh people don't know that the great warrior god emin is a woman and a half-orc, for that matter. Well, I guess, I mean, Bo knows that Kiaran mentioned Emin and was interested in... So, I guess you would just say, like, gesture and just say, you look familiar? Uh, I have never seen her before. And as you all are kind of fascinated with this ornate forge... You hear kind of an older sort of voice coming from behind the counter, but you can't quite see. Yes, yes, who is it? And then up pops this, these two hands, and you see this sort of long swirled gray silverish hair as one of the, uh, one of the hands on the top of this, um, counter has a cane in it and the cane sort of hyper extends and just t lifts up this small gnome and he's like oh hello Bo it's been so long and Bo you know this to be Dr. Hotrin a phenomenal uh blacksmith Hotrend Hotren. he'll respond with his arms stretched out Dr. Hotren, meet my friends. And he's just very happy to see him. And he's looks at you, Grah, fixated, eyes wide open. And he's like, Mia, come quick. And he sort of hobbles <laughs> over to you with his cane, kind of like Yoda in the prequels. And is, just comes up and is like, come down here. Yeah, Grah is going to kneel all the way, like as low as he can possibly get and look him dead in the eyes. And he sort of, like, <laughs> like, lifts his cane, catches it in midair at the base, and hooks the cane around your neck and pulls you to where you're almost <laughs> prone. He's looking at you, and he's like, you can't take that off, can you? And he kind of tugs at your mask, and he's like, oh, oh. No, no, nobody can. Oh, and it matches the pauldron, and he sort of yanks your neck to the side <laughs> and just kind of whiplashes you. This younger elf sort of skips out with short uh, silverish gray hair, two matching spiral pattern tattoos under her eyes. And she uh, looks at you, Groth, and she's like, Doctor, that's fascinating. He's like, I know, I know, my dear. 
Now tell me, how did you get this accursed thing fixed to your face? Well, I, um, I toted it around for a year, and, uh, I got mad one night, threw it in a fire, and it started, uh, started talking to me. You know what I'm saying? I do. What does it say? Is it one thing over and over again, or does it have cognitive thought? It's hard to say. It's not, uh, it's not words exactly. It's a, it's a feeling. Tells me what I should do, what I shouldn't do. Mia, write this down. Fascinating. And who, say, made this? And he tinks the mask and tinks the pauldron. Oh, I made the mask. Oh. I don't know about the pauldron. We found that. Well, that seems to be quite magnificent craftswork. Though, I have a feeling some of this imbued magical properties you likely didn't have a full understanding of, but that's quite, you know... Oh, I sure didn't. I remember my youth tinkering with all sorts of magical dangers. But I'm far too old for that now. You seem like a great educator. Now I've got one very, very important question for you. And what is that, my big friend? Do you have any sand? <laughs> I have so much sand. You won't even know what to do with it. Um, Bo's like puts his hand like over to his side of his mouth. He's like, I told him about the glass. <laughs> yes, of course. Hmm, fascinating. And it took me quite a while, quite a while. Well, I can imagine. I've been around Forge every day of my life. I couldn't imagine doing that. Well, unfortunately for you, my big friend, it seems the game has changed. And he looks over to the fires of his forge, and you notice that it's orange flame with bluish sort of tints, almost like this clash of the forge you worked on in your past versus the average flickering flame of a forge. However, you have come... At a very fortunate time, we have been discovering fascinating things. And a the very fortunate time? <laughs> Get out. <Sorry. laughs> Mia, I like kill it. her. <laughs> <laughs> of course, doctor. Um, and he's like, well, welcome to the arm of Emin, a old forge built in the glory of the great Redeemer to make the most valiant weapons and artifacts. Do you know much of the Redeemer? Uh, I do not. And the young elf steps forward and she goes, I'm more of the religious sort of uh, liaison here. Um, Dr. Hotren has far too much on his mind to be able to remember any simple texts. And he's like, yes, yes, whatever. This is uh, the arm of Emin. It was... Constructed 248 years ago, uh, it was a dedication and a project by Sir Merrill Draw, a paladin of the Redeemer. Uh, he was a very, very noble paladin who actually, despite his human ancestry, became a hero amongst the dwarves. He slayed a white dragon, Zenderhuana, in the Kravnok Mountains, saving massive dwarven exodus into the Rothgen Pines. He's quite a hero, and, and it was actually offered when this forge was constructed to 
put a statue of him in here, but he said no. He designed this statue of the Redeemer himself, said he saw her in his dreams. Interesting. Do you have any uh, other knowledge of the Redeemer, or is it just the statue? I've got quite a bit of knowledge. Uh, what would you like to know? Everything. Well, let me give you the too-long-didn't-read version. <laughs> the Redeemer was not always a good force. Wielding almost deity-like powers, she was a warlord. She slew many, many who deserved to die and many who did not. Nations, countries, monsters, even gods quivered in her path. But something happened to her. Some say it was the dawning of the sun and the light of Illumina that showed her wrongdoing. Some say she died in, for a moment and got a glimpse of the darkness that awaits, but the Redeemer, well, sought redemption. And through her long, long life of almost nigh immortal power in the age of the gods, she was a hero to many, saved much, much more than she ever killed. And it really goes to show that under the Redeemer's grace, no matter how fall, far you have fallen, you can always come back. I think Kieran will pause for a moment and look up and then just kind of turn back and be like, it seems unbelievable that one might think that saving people could erase any sort of deaths we may have caused in the past. That's kind of the ironic thing of following in the path of the Redeemer is every day you have a choice to be the person you've always been or to be something better. And you'd be amazed at what a path to bettering yourself can lead to. Maybe the Redeemer to many is still a villain and, and maybe Maybe she'll never ascend to any place of glory or goodness. But the real heroism is that she tried. And every day she woke up, looked at all the foul, dark deeds she had wrought to this world and decided that wasn't okay. And she would change that. And where did you read about this, Redeemer? Oh, the Oracle has many, many books on, on the deities of Rel. I, I, I'm sure he would be very happy to lend you any. That would be amazing. All you have to do is ask. And meanwhile, Dr. Hotren is is sort of uh, showing, I think Groth's showing you around the forge and just kind of showing you his work area. And he's like, I think I'll really appreciate some of the uh, additions I've made here to make life easier in the forge. Um, but I, I'm rambling, I'm sorry. Uh, I know, Bo, you probably want to show your friends all around this place. Uh, and I understand you 
likely are here with a purpose. But you know what, big guy? If you got time soon, I need somebody with a bit of strength who can, uh, well, I think there's a deposit of, uh, sand. I think there's <laughs> I think there's a uh, cold iron deposit uh, in the ridges behind the temple and if you could help me climb up there and harvest it I'll teach you a thing or two. Oh, I'm so on that. Never mind iron myself. I've always wanted to feel it when it's raw and naked. Oh. <laughs> cold iron is different too and you'll see. And to construct something with cold iron, you need reduced heat. It is a bizarre, bizarre method, but I'm happy to show you. Come back later. Come back later. Oh, yeah, I get a room, you two. <laughs> Meet me behind the temple and I'll show you a thing or two. <laughs> Have we ever corked off? <laughs> God damn it. A technique taught to me by a long old friend. <laughs> long. Emphasis on that part. Mm. And old. <laughs> a double emphasis on that. <laughs> Gross. Okay. Uh, so there are a couple other spots you can uh, take them, Bo. Uh, namely, there is the Botanical Gardens, also known as the Pantry. Uh, they already saw the chapel. Uh, and then touring the ramparts, Flint was up there briefly, but you can uh, sort of take them up, up there and let them kind of view everything and then there's of course the uh living quarters and the actual kitchen itself if you guys kind of cool to go up and view everything to be able to decide what to do next also to get a little glimpse of flint and how that's going Mm -hmm. okay we're just gonna spit down on him (laughs) (laughs) um okay so you guys uh exit the armory and I think you see Flint and Jessica, uh, Jessica Vesser and just kind of gearing Making up. a game plan of how we're going to get these bodies out. Yeah, gearing up by the gate and Vesser and kind of laying out how to get in the moat and the safe practices, just kind of giving Flint a rundown. And you guys head towards the rampart wall. And of course, Bo, you see the tall elven warrior, Jessica Avella Spiritson, at the top of the rampart wall looking down upon you. And you know Jessica uh, Avella Spiritson to be the primary person who mans the ramparts. Um, Would you say she's kind of like the captain of the watch sort of situation? Yeah, likely so. Yeah. She's like right in front of me. She's on top of the ramparts. Like if you go to the stairs that go up, she'll be right at the top just kind of. Well, and she sees me. Yeah. And us. Okay. Well, don't let us wave and stop and say, Vela. She gives you kind of like a sturdy nod. You know, uh, Avella's always been very focused and vigilant. But a very, very, you know, good friend to you, likely. Bo will just say, good to see you. Mind if we come up? Too busy? Get up here, Bo. It's, it's been a long time since I've seen you. He'll, he'll like... He's, like, so eager at this point to every person. He's just, like, he's been hugging, like, every person he sees. <laughs> and she gives so. you a strong hug. She's she's a very focused woman, but she's does not shy away. And it's it's very tight. And you're like, God, she is buff. 
Bose like rubs his arms, like be like, "Ow!" Like after, but still smiling. Sorry. It is good to see you, Bo. It's 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 been some time. Don't apologize. Um, these are my friends. I thought we could get a good view to see where to go next, and also kind of see what's going on with Vesteren and my other friend Flint down there. Yes, I, I spoke to him earlier. Uh, hello, I'm Jessica Spiritson. And who are you? My name's Kiaren. Hello, Kiaren. I'm Starlet. Starlet Moonbow. Star? Starlet, rather. Moonbow. Uh, Catfolk, are you from... the Badlands or the Dunes? I'm surprised you can tell, because I am a wolf right now. Oh, shit, I forgot. (laughs) Never mind. (laughs) That's not what cats look like. Weird, you dressed her by her nickname, and then... We don't get many cats up here, so... I'm having trouble separating myself from the six-foot buff elf lady I made. (laughs) Starlet's Moonbow. It's nice to meet you. I, I can't say I've ever seen somebody of your kind before. Well, I mean, with everything that's happened, I actually can't say I've ever met someone of my kind either. I used to be a catfolk, so Ah. it's been a strange development over the last week or so. Very interesting. Star? What? Oh, no, just joking. (laughs) (laughs) I thought she died. Your star? <laughs> I didn't want to say anything. Yeah. I just, I don't know. And Goliath, you, you, uh... Groth, at your service and in awe of your beautiful home. I just can't believe this place. Thank you. I, I can hardly believe it sometimes either. Uh, but I must say I've been quite concerned for your kind recently. I... Well, this may be hard to hear, but many of the living dead who have assailed us in the recent days have been Goliaths. And trade ceased with your people maybe a year or more ago. Yes. Yeah. What happened? It's a long story, my friend. Starts with a lot of dead moving and ends with a lot of dead Goliaths. Mm-hmm. From the sounds we heard coming from Godfrey Wa- Godfrey's watch yesterday. It's probably more Goliaths than there is anything else up there. And you have news of Godfrey's watch. Oh, did nobody say anything? Weirdly, this is awkward, but uh, it's a fucking mess over there. Couldn't tell you exactly what's going on, but I know there were watchtowers under attack. By a dragon? Yeah, Star will kind of fill in the blank spots there. Yes. Some of our scouts have spotted this dragon quite some time now. It is a young beast. I believe it is subjugated. 
But if there's something to fear more than a dragon, it's whatever can control one. Well, I think... Well, I strongly suspect I know the guy. You're absolutely fucking right about that. Hmm. Have you ever had a crazy ex? <laughs> you have no idea. <laughs> I mean, do you see this lady? <laughs> she looks like she can handle her own. <laughs> I say she had a crazy ex, but it's not a problem anymore. <laughs> and now it is again. Are you talking of the frozen prince? Well, he's involved. I couldn't tell you if it's him on that dragon or not. Who's this frozen prince? I believe he's actually the fresh prince. Of Bel Air? <laughs> wow. His name is William Smith. <laughs> <laughs> the frozen prince is a tyrant from Kravnok. I believe, and she gestures towards the orc bodies in the trenches. She says, it seems that he is organizing these orcs and spreading his reign from outside the mountains. Those orcs are what killed the Goliath. Not by yes. themselves. Well, I am very sorry to say that is no longer the case. These orcs have been working with the dead Goliaths. But let's not speak more of this. The winds of change are upon us already. I can feel it. Bo, I understand you have business with the Oracle. The Oracle has changed since this all happened. He is the burden of sight, and he seems to know much more than you or I. However, I see that your dwarven friend is preoccupied down there. If either any one of you are skilled at in the ways of scouting or stealth, I could use your help. Oh, I believe that's my calling. Thank you, Bo, for the tour. Um, suppose I'll take a look around a little later, given we have some time. But I think I'll stay up here. I quite like the sights. Please do, and there's plenty to see that I'd love to show you another time. She's aggressively looking this woman up and down. <laughs> Just kidding. Fire and I weren't exactly exclusive, huh? <laughs> we had an open relationship. <laughs> you know what I mean. Can Flint hear any of this conversation from down in the, like, near the trenches? Probably not. She's being a okay. little reserved. That's fine. We're shouting. Uh, and she turns to you, Bo, and she says, If you haven't gone and seen Zara yet in, in the gardens... You should. She wouldn't ever admit it, but she missed you very much, Bo. I know. I missed her, too. I'm excited to see her. Uh, I had a question, though. And he'll, like, run his finger through, like, his skunk stripe and kind of waggle and be like, Do you 
have any changes when this all happened and gesture like at the sky? I did not. I was fortunate. Many of those who call on divine magics from Sol lost their powers completely. Severed. The Oracle had many visions. I think it almost broke him. And why don't you give me a perception check, Bo? 30? Fuck, okay. <laughs> She's not telling you something, and that is something very weird for Jessica Spiritson to do. She is not a reserved person and has no problem speaking her mind. He'll just say, meet me later. There's something I want to talk to you about. Of course. As Bo's, like, turning to leave, Karen's going to look over the wall down at uh, Flint and be like, well, before we go, does anyone have a bucket? And she'll kind of raise her voice to kind of carry down the wall. I think a shower would maybe help that smell he carries around. <laughs> Star's going to stifle a laugh. <laughs> Flint will just kind of yell back up over his shoulder and just, uh, believe me, uh, moisture just makes it worse. <laughs> Do all dwarves smell like that? That one's special. We picked him up from a bazaar. <laughs> <laughs> bazaar indeed. <laughs> okay, so at this point, other than the kitchen or the actual living area, Bo, you have one more kind of place of wonder to visit the botanical gardens also known as the pantry oh okay i didn't know that those the same things because yes. i was like i don't want to go i don't want to go to the pantry <laughs> uh it's uh, sort of yeah you know it's the botanical gardens are a f sort of humorously referred to as the pantry because that's where most of their food comes from Um, okay. Well, I do want to have everyone there because it's, I love, it's like Bo's favorite place. So, but I also want to say hi to Zara because I don't want to leave her out. Well, you, you, you could. want some alone time, Bo? <laughs> no, I'm good. Well, you could bring them all back, but you do know at this point you're maybe 20, 30 minutes away from having to go back and meet with Oracles in any way. Yeah, so I guess uh, Bo will turn to Kiaran and say, well, how about the gardens? Lead on. And Groth, are you going with, or do you want to go back to the forge, or do you want to go home? Bo will also, like, will be, you know, look, we'll say that to Kiaran and look at you, too. That me, too? Yeah, just to make sure you have input. To All right, Groth will go with, then. <laughs> if, if left to his own devices and not noticed, he probably would have just been like, oh, "I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go make some of this gas." Well, I mean, I don't think last. that yeah. <laughs> like Bo wouldn't be offended if you did. He was just more like seeing like, "What do you guys want to do?" I guess yeah. When you look at Groth, he's probably like eyeballing the forge. Like, it looks like a kid in the parking lot of a Toys R Us, <laughs> and his mom wants to go to the fucking Walgreens next door. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. 
Uh, but I'll say, go meet Dr. Hotburn. He's a lot of fun. Okay. <laughs> I'll see you later, bro. If you insist, bye. I'll see you later, bro. <laughs> I mean, I don't really want to, but I'll go anyway. Goodbye. No tick packs. <laughs> Star's like, I've never seen him move that fast before. And he takes big steps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when Groth runs off, Kieran will kind of look at Bo and be like, well, you still have me at least, uh, unless you'd rather go alone and say hello to your friends. No, I'm excited for you to see the gardens, and Zara's a very special person, just like you all are, too. Okay. She might be a little shy, though. Okay, so, Bo, you lead your last friend, Kiaren, to this colossal... My last friend. <laughs> this colossal <laughs> dome-like structure. Um, kind of tucked away a little bit. It's over to the uh, east side, and it's kind of on its own. And where people are coming and going everywhere else, uh, though it is a small group of acolytes or monks or things like that, doesn't seem to be a whole lot of traffic around here. Kiaren, I think, approaching this, you're sort of hit with a sense of wonder just from the outside. It is a kind of in similar vein of the chapel sort of the top half of this dome like structure is all glass that's reinforced by hex uh, hex laid metals and just peeking inside it's an insane biome of overgrowth vegetation and, and plant life do you have a nature score yes go ahead and give me a nature check uh 14 okay I think you're just utterly amazed at this. And as Bo walks in and sort of opens up this these double doors and you go through this kind of sort of entryway that's kind of a uh, decompression chamber almost to speak of it in sci-fi terms. Um, and then you enter in another set of doors and it just like erupts to you. And I think it's almost debilitating at first because there's kind of a source of artificial sunlight hanging in the air here and it's coming off of this brilliant yellow crystal and you sort of shy away from it but it doesn't affect you quite like regular sunlight but in this grassy sort of foresty area there is a plethora an array of seemingly chaotic plant growth all over the place just weaving in and out but even with a 14, it's you start to notice that there's a rhythm to the chaos, and it's all almost methodically organized. And then you see a barefooted Lunel. She has her hair, her reddish-orange hair, tied up into a bun. She has this sort of really soft face and brilliant blue eyes and she looks at you bow and her her gaze affixes for a second before she starts walking over to you and and to um to kiaren i think maybe this is doesn't seem out of the ordinary at all she's walking in a steady pace but i think to you bow knowing this knowing zara she's walking with a hustled, hurried pace, especially for her, and she just kind of comes up to you and just hugs you without saying anything. 
It's probably like a kind of gentle, quiet moment before they like break. Kieran's over in the corner looking at a plant. <laughs> You're like, mm. <laughs> and she looks at you, Bo, and she says very softly, like, "It's good to see you." It's good to see you too. And, Kiaran, you're looking at this plant, and it's this rigid sort of two leaves that are sprouting out of the dirt, seemingly in its this freshly dug mound, and it starts kind of squirming a little bit. She backs up and puts her hands on her blade. <laughs> and in a moment, this little creature pops out, and pff, this turnip-looking Two arm, two legs, bipedal creature, and it just kind of goes. And I'll pull my sword and be like, "Watch out!" (laughs) A gentle hand comes to yours and lowers it, and Zara walks in front of you and cups this little pet and turns around and says, "Meet Pew Pew." (laughs) Is it safe? No, it's quite dangerous. She gives you a soft nod, and this creature just kind of, like, leaps off of her hands and just kind of runs up to you and, like, uh, is looking at your... Do you wear armor? Yeah, I have heavy armor. So is looking at, like, your metal pauldron with this curiosity, and you see a level of intelligence to this little creature. And it just sort of, like, tinks the side of your armor quizzically. I'll resheath my sword immediately viciously starts trying to like bite and shake (laughs) (laughs) gnawing on it excuse my uh, manner there I'm used to more dangerous plants Zara gives you a soft smile and softly she says I'm Zara Delamue yes uh, I'm Kiaren nice to meet you She nods and turns to you, Bo, and says, Your friend seems capable. I could use her help. I can smell the plant gizzard on her. (laughs) I do have gizzard on me. (laughs) The gizzard she wears. A trophy of a strong plant-like creature. She wears the gizzard like a boa. Her neck. <laughs> I don't think that's what gizzards look like, but <laughs> I want to do that. I think Who knows? For this creature, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I guess uh, Bo would be surprised that she would have any need for, like, I guess, I don't know, anything force, any forcefulness. So he's like, really? Where? What is it? This, and she looks up towards the sky past this golden yellow crystal emanating sunlight and just kind of clasps her hand into a fist and the light fades but the crystal still hovers above and looking over this fractured sky he says this has brought things into my garden that I do not want in here what do you think Yarn? you think you can handle it he's like teasing you like jabbing you in the ribs like with this elbow 
I'm not at my full strength, but I will see what it is and do my best. He'll look down at the little turtle guy and be like, Good to see you again, Pew Pew. Good to see your soul running about. <laughs> he I makes this. Yeah, yeah. Discord didn't <laughs> pick you watch up my... out. Pew Pew's got a he's got a record. Yeah, Pew Pew is a felon. He's legally obligated to inform you that I... he's on the registered sex. <laughs> is this like an oddball or something? <laughs> he's uh, doing what? Uh, community service to this yeah. is, uh, this is... Does it look like Oddball? What is Oddball? Isn't that what it was called, Pokemon? Oddish? 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 Is it Oddish? Mm. It kind of mm-hmm. looks like a fat Oddish. Mm. Like, like Odd Job from GoldenEye? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and at this point, Bo, looking up into the sky, and you're starting to get the, the feeling that enough time has passed and, and or the Oracle will be expecting you. Then, uh, does it seem like we have time for this, or no? Uh, the Oracle is only needing you to help with the ritual. Okay. Well, oh, um... They don't need then... me for the ritual? Uh, this is help setting it up. Like, oh. it takes a couple hours, like four hours, to prepare it. Bo dropped well... all his kids off at daycare, and now he's ready to go do his <laughs> <Yeah>. job. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um... But we'll kind of realize how much time has passed once, I guess, well, it doesn't, there's really no telling time. There's not really a sky, but whatever. He knows. Turtle clock. I still have an internal clock. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's fine. Um, and he kind of, he turns to Zara and says, I'm pretty sure she can handle it and she can be great help. I've got to go prepare this ritual for her, uh, but I know you'll get along. So, and he smiles and puts a hand on her shoulder and um i don't know i don't i I don't i'm missing my page where Bo has like a journal and has like taped it's like a you know there's like things flowers pressed like little like things like hair and like drawings and stuff but i imagine there's at least some kind of like plant in there or something of spores like a you know that i would want to give her as a gift to add something she didn't have to the garden but I don't know definitely. specifically what, but I definitely have something like that in there. We still have the hate spite, don't we? <laughs> or do we give that? You gave that to Killa, I think. Did we? Okay. You guys should probably not forget about that, by the way. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure you're we the DM. You should think. Right? We should probably oh, also. Do we need it to too. go back for that? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, she's well, maybe still then. Maybe then, uh, but we'll just hand her his journal and be and say, "There's some good stuff in there." And let her like just keep it and like read through it, and to she kind of catch up on his adventures. And she very carefully, like lightly, sort of turns some of the pages and looks at it and looks at you and looks at it and then she just gives you this like very thankful nod. He'll like as he's walking away, he'll look over his shoulder and say, "See you guys soon," and he'll keep walking away. And with that. We'll tackle all these little side missions next time on the Reroll Podcast. podcast. You son of a bitch. (laughs) I wanted to synchronize it. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Reroll Podcast. The world of Rel and all characters within are copyright and fictitious. Any similarities to persons, living or dead, or actual events are purely coincidental. 
Reroll Gaming uses trademarks and or copyrights owned by Paizo Inc. Used under Paizo's community use policy, we are expressly prohibited from charging you to use or access this content. Reroll Gaming is not published, endorsed, or specifically approved by Paizo. For more information about Paizo Inc. and Paizo products, visit paizo.com. Want to follow us on social media, listen to another episode, or send us hate mail? Check out our link tree for all our info. You can find that link in the episode description. Big thanks to Tabletop Audio for producing quality RPG music and ambiance that we can use in our games. The reroll main theme and all character themes are copyright Zingaring. The Chronicles of Rail theme and Frequency theme are copyright Tanner Prentice. Please consider donating to our Patreon or Ko-fi if you liked our content. We are hell-bent on making more and with your support we can make a lot more. And leave us a review wherever you heard this episode. New episodes every Monday at 12am Pacific Standard Time. See you then.